They're perfect against Georgia in SEC championship games. So is Nick Saban over Kirby Smart in those battles that have been epic. And they are the Crimson Tide, your 2023 Southeastern Conference champs. We are about to unveil who will be in the college football playoff for the 2023 season. It is presented by AT&T. The final rankings from the selection committee, the number one team in the country is. We are seeing these when you do, and it's Michigan. Who's number two? We assume it will be the Washington Huskies. And it is indeed. What a job. Okay, now remember how the committee does this. You have six teams in a group, then you rank them, and the top three are taken off the board then, and then they repeat the process. So when the rankings, the final time they went through, the group phase, here's the third team that was taken off and put on the board. Who's number three? The Texas Longhorns. We go back to the rankings in the unveil. Let's look now at number six and see who's been eliminated and see what the final decision came down to. Who's number six? The Georgia Bulldogs. So after consecutive national championships, Georgia will not compete in the playoff, and this is also the first time that the team that was number one in the penultimate rankings has fallen completely out of the college football playoff field. So this leaves us with the decision that everyone thought we would end up having. Florida State or Alabama? One spot, whoever's four plays Michigan. Number five, heartbroken. Who's number four? And Alabama returns to the playoff, and so we have another Yep. Yep. You guessed it. You guessed it. Well, I heard O'Neal put it down. Well, I 
You heard it first. What was that fourth team? That one they just put in? Oh, yeah, that's right. Sweet home Alabama. Roll, tide, roll. That's right, folks. We're back. And when I say we, I mean Alabama's back. I am so excited for this episode. Episode 75 of the We Know Ball podcast. My name is Ryan. At Ryan Knows Ball on Twitter. Wow. I mean, that's all I got to say. What a weekend of sports, primarily football, but what a weekend. Conference championship weekend in college football. We'll get to it here pretty much right off the rip, but just exactly. Well, it's exactly what I was hoping for as an Alabama fan. But more so exactly what I was hoping for as a college football fan. And I say that because finally was able to show people how dumb it is to have a four-team playoff. You have to make it at least eight, or in the case of next year, you have to make it 12. And they are. And that's good. But they are suffering the consequences of their own actions by not immediately implementing a playoff scenario that actually includes and considers a situation like, I don't know, this season, where you have five, six, maybe even eight extremely qualified teams that at one point or another, we're in consideration for the top rankings in the country, right? You got Michigan at the top. They've been at the top for most of the season. Washington, I think, started maybe in the top 10, has worked their way now into the top four. You've got Texas, who was on the outside looking in for most of the year, is now in the top four. Alabama started the year in the top four, got knocked out, worked their way back in. They beat Georgia, who was number one for most of the year. Florida State was in the top four for most of the year. And it ended up with Michigan one, Washington two, Texas three, and Alabama four. We will get into the discussion about the college football playoff, how the rankings ended up. I am, of course, an Alabama fan. I am biased. That being said, I'm not going to speak through a bias lens. I'm not going to speak as an Alabama fan. I'm going to speak subjectively. I'm going to look at things from uh, above. I'm not going to approach the discussion of who's in and who's out based on my fandom for Alabama. And I expect most people to do the same. 
It's hard to do that. It's really hard to do that. Lots of people from lots of different angles all across the spectrum of college football are coming at this with a biased point of view. I mean, after all, most people, I mean, a point of view from somebody is biased. It's always going to be biased. We'll get into it. I was going to... I was going to get into just the heat of it right away. But we'll wait. We'll wait, okay? Got a lot to discuss. We will first go over the scoreboard itself, right? The top 25 teams that were playing this weekend going from well, we'll go chronologically and then highest rank because I say that there were some games on Friday. Uh, then most of the action, of course, unfolding on Saturday. Did I say episode 75 already? Because if I didn't, it is. Episode 75, super excited that you guys are here. Let's get straight into it. On Friday. College football playoff implication game. Number five, Oregon. Number three, Washington. Pac-12 championship. Final Pac-12 game ever between two Pac-12 teams. Very sad. I understand. I love the Pac-12, man. I liked just kind of having that as like the West Coast, you know, on Saturdays. You know there's going to be games going on on the West Coast, and I love that. Unfortunately, not the case anymore. Not going to be the case moving forward with the dispansion of the Pac-12. Not even going to exist, which is crazy. I've grown up with it my whole life. It's crazy. It, it really is odd that it's going to disappear, but uh, it's funny that a lot of the teams that ended up in the playoff are the teams that are like moving. Or The playoff right now is like two SEC teams, two Big Ten teams, right? Texas is moving to SEC next year. Uh, Washington's moving to the Big Ten next year. So it, it's it's funny, but I get it. In that game, number three, Washington, number five, Oregon. Washington comes in as a nine and a half point underdog. Somehow, it's a pretty darn big spread. And Washington beats Oregon 34 to 31. So Washington wins the Pac-12. They go 13-0 in the regular season, 9-0 in conference as the number three seed, ultimately springboarding up to number two. Uh, but what a season. What a season for Washington. I have done nothing but dog on Washington, and I think I was a little bit hard on them. That being said, Looking ahead to what is going on with the national championship or the uh, college football playoff, rather. And, of course, as the number three seed, and they are four-point favorites over Washington, who is the higher seed and undefeated. I think, to me, that speaks the volumes that it should. And I think Washington did everything that you need to do and checked all the boxes to deserve getting into the college playoff. 
I was really hard on them at the beginning of the year. Washington is a college football playoff team. I want to make that clear. They are absolutely a college football playoff team. They've done everything they, they can and need to by the standards of the committee to get into the college football playoff. Multiple top 10 wins. Yes, they were the same opponent. Uh, tough road wins, some other ranked wins. They did everything possible, started pretty high in the rankings, did not lose a game, and won their conference championship. Multiple top 10 wins, I think, really springboarded them. The win over Oregon early in the year pretty much launched them into the top four, and they never looked back. And yet, they go into this game against Texas, and we'll get into it, but now they're facing Texas in the college playoff as an undefeated team, and they're still underdogs. With Texas being favored by four, I think that's a low number. I think Texas could potentially beat Washington by 10, by two touchdowns. Ultimately, we'll see, because Washington's done nothing but prove me wrong and prove the country wrong, and the doubters and the haters, like myself. So maybe they got another trick up their sleeve, but I'm not sure that they can do it on such a big stage against an incredibly talented team like Texas. Also on uh, Friday night, the Conference USA Championship, <laughs> number 24, Liberty, played New Mexico State, and they went 13-0 this season and 8-0 in the Conference USA. That is crazy good. They are, I think they finished like the final college football rankings, put them at like 13, like crazy high. Uh, really, really impressed. Good for them. Um, honestly, if there's a few teams that like lost more, you know, like if Michigan dropped a game early in the year, Ohio State maybe has two losses, Oregon has three lot. like Liberty might have found themselves flirting with those top four. I mean, it happened to Cincinnati a couple years back. Obviously didn't go well, but yeah, no, it was a good year for Liberty, 13 and 0. Uh, moving on to Saturday. Saturday morning, speaking of Texas, Texas Comes in, number seven, Texas played Oklahoma State, who was ranked 18th, which is the most disgusting uh, skewed ranking I've ever seen. Oklahoma State, they beat Oklahoma. Uh, I think they had a, maybe one or two other decent wins this year, but they came into the game at 9-3. and three. They were 7-1 and one in the Big 12. Um, and they, Oklahoma State, had an opportunity to really shake things up. Had an opportunity to show up and play well. Had an opportunity to win a Big 12 championship. And Oklahoma State never got off the bus. They never got off the bus. From the get-go, that game was never close. Texas beats Oklahoma State 49-21. to So they beat them by 28 points. I think that margin of victory in and of itself over a team that clearly the committee had some levels of respect for in Oklahoma State, winning by 28 to me was enough that Texas people are like, dude, Texas is a top four team. And I agree. I agree with that. I think they are a top four team. However, Oklahoma State, what are you doing? Showed up. Actually didn't. Like I said, didn't get off the bus. Didn't show up. Didn't get ready to go. Uh. At halftime, it was 35 to 14 at halftime. 35 to 14. 
uh, Quinn Ewers, 452, four touchdowns. <laughs> like, come on, dude. Good for them, though. Good for Texas. Texas really, if it's not for the Big 12 championship, Texas is not going to get in the playoff. They go against a ranked Oklahoma State team. They absolutely beat the doors off of Oklahoma State. And they force everybody's hand. Especially after Alabama beats Georgia, because they're like, well, Alabama just beat Georgia. But Texas dominated Alabama early in the year. Yeah, it's early in the year. It's two different teams. You know, development happens, long season, all kinds of factors to include it. You watch Texas just run over a ranked team in Oklahoma State in a conference championship game with an Alabama victory on their resume. There's just no way they could have been left out. And I give tons of credit to the Texas football team, tons of credit to Steve Sarkeesian for not only the accomplishments this season, but how they handled that conference championship game. It's exactly what they needed to do to solidify themselves in the top four. Exactly what they needed to do. Uh, other game quickly, just going to brush over it. Uh, SMU played number 22 Tulane in the American Athletic Conference Championship, the AAC Championship, and SMU beat Tulane. Cool. Congrats, SMU. Good for you guys. Uh, Michigan played Iowa. 26 to nothing, final final score. Iowa uh, was somehow 7-1 in the Big Ten. Uh, they didn't score points all year. Repeatedly and consistently didn't score points all year. Had a horrendous offense, horrible offense, horrible quarterback, uh, horrible receivers. Not a good football team. They just weren't. They had a good defense. They had a bunch of big stout guys on the defensive line and some decent defensive backs, but linebackers were good. Defensive line presence was good, and it kept them in close, low-scoring games, and then they would just score enough to win. And they had some pretty interesting wins this year, but Iowa was horrible, and I mean horrible. Michigan beats them 26 to zero final score. Michigan, big 10 champs, 13 to no, nine to no in the big 10. And uh, coming in the weekend is number two. Like, you know, they do that. They're in same deal. They're in. So. Then you get into the two most important games for the reasons of the controversy. The ACC championship and the SEC championship, Florida state, number four, Takes on four, number 14, Louisville, in the ACC championship. It was a sloppy game. It was ugly for Florida State, as it was fully expected to be, with a backup quarterback, also third-string quarterback, getting a lot of action. Louisville looked horrible, like one of the worst top 15 teams I've ever seen. They had no game plan. They... Never had a chance on offense at almost any point. Their quarterback was consistently and repeatedly missing open receivers. And despite the inability to move the ball for Florida State on offense, they managed to put up 16 points. They come out victorious over Louisville, 16-6. to Now, before we even get into the SEC championship, before we get into the Alabama factor, I don't think people realize, or I could put it this way.
for people coming after the college football playoff committee for leaving Florida State out, the committee is just as much at fault as Florida State is. Early in the year, Florida State played a good team at LSU. They beat them. Then they had a close game a little bit after that against Boston College. Scraped out of there with a victory. Okay, that happens. Every other team in the top 10 had that at some point. Sure. Then they lose Jordan Travis, devastating injury, hoping for the best. And the backup quarterbacks that they brought in, second and third string, had to go out against Louisville in the ACC championship and at least score 20 points. I think if Florida State wins over Louisville by 17 or more, they keep the number four spot. But because they looked so abysmal on offense, worthless, could not run the ball, could not throw the ball, couldn't get first downs, they did that to themselves with their performance in the ACC championship. Is it their fault that Jordan Travis got injured? Of course not. And if they have Jordan Travis, none of us are even having this discussion. Florida State's in. They probably beat Louisville 35-7, to and they're in there at number four. But that's not the case. And when you lose guys and you get new guys to replace them, whether it's quarterback or any other position, you have to go out in the eyes of the committee and in the nature of a four-team college football playoff when there are multiple teams under consideration, and you have to have impressive wins. Impressive meaning you're the lower seed, you beat the higher seed. Or you're the higher seed against the lower seed, and you kill them. You beat them up. Texas did it. Michigan did it. And Florida State, I know it's not their fault because they don't have their quarterback, but ultimately, because of that, they didn't kill Louisville. They looked horrible against Louisville. And up until the very end, they almost lost that game. The margin for error for Florida State was this big. It was zero. And what I mean by that is this, this is what it this is what they could do to get into the college football playoff. And this is beating Louisville by 20 or more. And they didn't do that. It's not their fault. It's nobody's fault. Jordan Travis got hurt. It's extremely unfortunate. It sucks for the rest of the team. But the guys that they have to fill in for not just the quarterback, but any other injuries they've had this year, which I'm sure they've had a few, those guys have to step up and perform at an extremely high level because ultimately with a 14 playoff and multiple teams under consideration, you have to prove it to the committee that you look like and perform like a top four team. And that's the eye test. That's also the numbers and the metrics. Not to mention, nobody's fault also, but maybe it is for Florida State if they wanted to answer, you know, schedule some more, I don't know, a non-conference, but the ACC is not good. It's not a good conference. So then you look at their strength of schedule, and 13-0 is not as impressive based on the numbers and metrics as Alabama's 12-1. That's just a fact. It's nobody's fault. No one thinks Florida State's a bad team. They were right there at number five. But because of their performance, Florida State did a disservice to themselves by their performance after they lost Jordan Travis. It's nobody's fault. I've said it a million times. Injuries happen. Totally understand. 
How are you going to penalize a team for losing a guy? I get it. I get it. But that's the nature of the situation. With four teams to be under consideration, their performance the last two weeks ultimately knocked them out of the top four. The only reason they were in the top four to begin with after the last week of the regular season is because Ohio State lost. People forget that. Somehow people are forgetting Florida State wasn't in the top four two weeks ago. And the only reason they slid back in is because Ohio State lost to Michigan. So Florida State, oh, they're undefeated. Slide them up to four. Then they lose their quarterback, and they look like a bad football team. A bad football team for two consecutive weeks. It's not their fault. The rest of the team, I'm sure, was trying their hardest. But the numbers and the metrics and the strength of schedule and all those considerations and all those factors, plus how Florida State played the last two weeks, did it to themselves just as much as the committee did. Both of them were at fault. Both of them could be to blame, in my opinion. But anybody throwing all the blame on the committee, oh, their SEC bias, all oh, their this and that, that's not true. It's not true. You don't know anything. If you think, if you think Florida State, the last two weeks, compared to the other teams in consideration, were a top four team in the country. So Florida State beat Louisville, and they are ACC champions, and they're playing in a good bowl game against Georgia. You know, I'd be, I would be curious to kind of see how those games unfold. You know, I think you'll see some guys sitting out, right? Especially on Georgia's defense. Like, see some guys sitting out. Uh, so, you know, it may not be like a true, uh, you know, matchup of maximum capability. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. Do I feel bad for Florida State? Um, no. I don't. I don't feel bad for them. Whoever they had as a backup quarterback needed to come in and step up and play better, and they didn't. And I, I'm, I'm a guy who's full accountability in everything you do. The other game, of course, number eight Alabama, number one Georgia SEC championship. Alabama beats Georgia 27 to 24. It was a really interesting, intriguing, you know, entertaining matchup. I had a great time watching it as an Alabama fan, of course. I was very stressed out for the whole game until the final kneel down. Um, but yeah, Alabama's defense stepped up. Crucial, crucial third down stops on defense. Had a turnover with a botched end around pitch from Georgia that was recovered by Alabama. A couple of fourth down conversions on offense for Alabama. And then end of the game, three minutes left, whatever, you know, two and a half minutes left, limited timeouts for Georgia, need a couple first downs, and Alabama got it done on offense. A couple of quarterback runs from Jalen Milrow. Um, I am curious in the box score here, as I haven't even looked. So Jalen Milrow, 13 for 23, 192 passing. Two touchdowns. Uh, he also ran for 29 yards. And 
Yeah, I think that's it. Well, I mean, Carson Beck, the quarterback for uh, Georgia, 21 for 29, 243. Didn't have a touchdown. Didn't throw a pick. So no picks, just a fumble. Um, you know, interesting. But we go back to the conversation. The committee chose between two teams, or I'll put it this way. The college football playoff committee had two teams to choose from. Alabama or Florida State. And you could give me any argument you want to give. Numbers, metrics, record. Strength of schedule, conference, committee is biased. All of that stuff could be true, could favor the argument for Florida State. I'm not disagreeing with any of it. I'm here to ask you guys, right now, today, if you put Alabama against Florida State in a game, who would be favored? And it's a simple question, and it's an even simpler answer. And it's not like, oh, well, it's a coin flip, and Alabama, maybe they're favored by three. And I know, like, betting lines aren't the end-all, be-all. And that's not what I'm saying. The betting lines aren't just numbers that some dude comes up with. They're complex, complicated, calculated numbers based on millions of data points across thousands of references. Combine that with the committee. Combine that with strength of schedule. Combine that with ESPN's FIP, whatever you, uh, or FPI, football power index. You, the bottom line is, if you put them up together, head-to-head, Alabama would be favored on, on the gambling line. They would win the game, I'd estimate, by two touchdowns. And that's not Florida State's fault. I know they lost their quarterback. Said it a million times, injuries suck, but you have to stay healthy the entire year as a part of winning a championship. And with Florida State's horrible performances the last two weeks, they dropped down to five, only got slid up back to four after an Ohio State loss, and Alabama coming into the SEC championship, skating by Auburn, no question, but then showing up and beating who the committee believed was the best team, and they beat them. I never even honestly thought Florida State had a chance to get in after Texas and Alabama's victories. I didn't think Florida State had a single chance. Was pretty confident that the committee was going to do exactly what they did. Everybody's losing their mind over Florida State not getting put into the playoff. And there's been all these different back and forths. A lot of guys have flipped. Some people are like, well, you know, it's the best four teams, and they got it right. Other teams like, but Florida State deserves it. The 12-team playoff will, of course, alleviate most of these haggling points. But additionally, Florida State actually didn't deserve it. I am not really sure what people mean by, oh, they deserve it. 
is it because they're 13 and 0? Is that what it is? Their record? Because a record means nothing, especially when you're in a conference that is inferior to the other opponents that you're comparing yourself to, like Texas, like Alabama, like Georgia, or whoever else they wanted to be above. The ACC this year was historically bad. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you the SEC this year was the best conference because it wasn't. It was a downgrade from some of its best years. But in the eyes of the committee, there's five or six teams from the SEC in the top 25, including the best team in the country that Alabama just beat. Florida State's best wins are a couple of top 15 victories. Yes, they beat LSU earlier in the year. They didn't do enough. And that's not maybe necessarily even their fault. Maybe it's the ACC that's so bad. Maybe they couldn't get a better schedules, you know, in non-conference. I don't know. But if you put, it's a, it's a simple answer. That's all I'm saying. The committee had to choose Florida State or Alabama. To me, it's a simple answer. To them, seemed to be a pretty simple answer. To most metrics, to most performance numbers, to most analytical data you can find on how a team performed this season, college football, FPI, strength of schedule, all this different stuff, a lot of that, maybe it's not even Florida State's fault because the ACC isn't very good. But ultimately, when you're down to four teams, it's something that the committee did this year that they have failed to do in years past which is take all things into consideration, all metrics, all performance bases, and find the best four teams. If that means there's a team with three losses that's one of the best four teams, then maybe put them in. If that means there's a team that's undefeated, that's not in the top four, then they they don't get put in. That's what happened with Florida State. People saying that Florida State deserved to be in the top four, they actually don't know anything. It's unprecedented that an undefeated conference champion in a Power 5 conference is left out of the college football playoff. It's unprecedented. How? How and why? The times in the past where we've played this inclusion game because... Oh, these guys deserve it. They're undefeated from a power five. Oh my God, put them in. How did that work out for some of the previous Pac-12 champions? Washington in the first year of the college football playoff. It worked out for them the same way it would have worked out for Florida State this season. They would have shown up. They would have played a number one seed. And they would have gotten rolled. Florida State, Michigan. What's the spread on that game? Michigan by 14 and a half. Outsiders looking at it, complaining, saying the committee got it wrong. 
Obviously, Florida State fans, very upset. I understand their frustration. No question about it. I will be the one to tell you the committee got it right. Nobody knows the future. Nobody knows how Florida State would have done against Michigan. I'll tell you, they wouldn't have done good. Because the last two weeks will tell you everything you need to know how they are as a team without Jordan Travis. And their performances in the last two weeks are probably the primary reason they're not included in the top four. They did that to themselves. The injury, it's an accident. It's a freak thing. I understand. They didn't do that to themselves. But whoever the backup quarterback was, the recruiting that they did as a, as a, as a team, their head coach didn't recruit enough talent on the second level of their uh, depth chart. He didn't do it right because the quarterback that came in to replace Jordan Travis, Rodemaker, then he gets hurt, third string, all that stuff, man, it's hard to account for. You're never playing on your starting quarterback getting hurt. But I distinctly remember a couple years ago, Alabama's starting quarterback got hurt in their conference championship game, and they pulled a guy off the bench who came in, got the job done, and scored 14 points on a Georgia team in like one quarter. That shows the committee. Depth, talent, a roster that can hang and participate with anybody at position number one, two, maybe even three in some cases. And with Florida State, it was it was like a cold cup of hot coffee. Or, I mean, uh, it was like a... It's a good way to put this. It's like a cold cup of hot cocoa with the marshmallows on top. That's Florida State. First string guys, top level, super nice, looks great, high performance. They lose their quarterback, and you dip through that first layer, and it's ice cold. They don't perform. And they did it to themselves just as much as the committee did it to them. Florida State's performances in the last two weeks did it to themselves. It's a simple, simple, simple answer. Put each team side by side. How do they perform? What do the metrics say? Alabama, Florida State. And then run those two teams through the computer system or the calculations that they do to come up with these gambling lines or these point spreads. Alabama and Florida State, it would spit out Alabama favored by 12. Sorry. It's exactly what it would be. Anybody who disagrees, you don't know anything. But Florida State deserves it. That doesn't mean anything. Deserving something, a lot of people deserve a great life. They don't get it. No one deserves anybody. No, nobody is Nobody is entitled to anything. You don't go undefeated in a in a Power 5 conference and you're just entitled to a playoff uh, appearance. You don't just walk in as a Power 5 champion, undefeated. We're entitled to that spot. We deserve it. That is entirely incorrect. And this notion that they deserved it and they got robbed has to stop. It has to stop. Florida State did not deserve it, clearly. Because their performances in the conference championship, as soon as they lost Jordan Travis, some of the other games early in the year, combined with the fact that the ACC is hot garbage in 2023, mix that all together. What do you get? 
a football power index ranking that's lower than Alabama's, even with Jordan Travis. And people forget Florida State was number five two weeks ago. The only reason they got put back in the top four is because Ohio State lost to Michigan. Ohio State's better than Florida State. Georgia's better than Florida State. Alabama's better than Florida State. Texas is better than Florida State. Michigan's better than Florida State. Washington and Oregon, probably better than Florida State. But they deserve it. I, I'm so tired of it. I don't want to hear it anymore. The games we're going to get now with Alabama and Michigan and Texas-Washington, oh my God, they're going to be so much better. The games are going to be more competitive because these are the best four teams in the country. I'd even make it... I, I'll take this one step further. I'll take, this, I'll take this whole college football playoff thing and this whole controversy one step further. You want the top four best teams in the country? If it's up to me, a nobody who knows nothing, right? I look at the football power indexes. I look at the strength of schedule. And I also use the eye test, which is something that the committee seriously considers to a degree. Use all the analytics that you want. Before this week and after this week, my top four would be Georgia, Alabama, Michigan, and Texas. Sorry. If they truly, really did the top four best teams, that's actually who it would be. Washington wouldn't be in. Oregon wouldn't be in. Florida State definitely wouldn't be in. Ohio State wouldn't be in. The top four best teams in the country, based on any analytical piece of information you can get your fingers on, has Georgia, Bama, Michigan, and Texas as the top four. In no particular order, but those are the top four. Florida State didn't deserve it. I don't want to hear it anymore. They did not deserve it. Maybe they felt like they did because they got put at number four, then they won the football game they played, and after that, that does not mean you deserve it. So the final rankings, Michigan 1, Washington 2, Texas 3, Alabama 4. Michigan against Alabama. Michigan is a one and a half point favorite. Total for that game is 45 and a half. Texas and Washington. Texas is favored by four. And the over under in that game is 64 and a half. Both games seem to be within one score, seem to be pretty competitive, seem to be pretty close. There's an opportunity for Texas, or there's a, I personally believe there's potential for Texas to go in against Washington and blow them up. But Washington has proven everybody wrong all year, including me. Alabama and Michigan, it is a t under a field goal spread because those are the two best teams, two, two of the four best teams in the country. Can't wait. Super excited. Some of the other notable bowl games, I think that'll be pretty fun to watch uh, as we roll through uh, this schedule here. So bowl season starts in two weeks, Saturday the 16th. There's a bunch of, uh, you know, just some fun little bowl games to go to look at. Um, no ranked teams on that day. 
the next Saturday on the 23rd of December. Bunch more bowl games. Nobody ranked. James Madison, 11-1. Good for them. Uh, Tuesday, December 26th. Day after Christmas, there's some bowl games. Wednesday, there's a couple, including Louisville, Oklahoma State, SMU. Uh, the good games, I think, kind of start to peter in on Friday, December 29th. Uh, you've got Oregon State and Notre Dame. That'll be a pretty good game, 19 versus 16. And then you got the Cotton Bowl, number nine, Missouri, and number seven, Ohio State. Should be pretty interesting. I, I think that'll be a good matchup. It'll be fun to watch that game. And then Saturday the 30th, you've got number 11, Ole Miss, against number 10, Penn State, in the Peach Bowl. And then you've got the orange Capital One Orange Bowl with number six, Georgia, number five, Florida State. I don't see a line on that game. I'd be curious to see what it is. Let's see if they got it on the uh the old sports book app here. Let's see what they got. Because it doesn't show it on ESPN. I'd be curious to see. It may be too early to put that up based on they don't know uh who's playing in those games you know like i said guys sitting out whatever yeah so george is favored by 13 and a half yep george is favored by 13 and a half I just continue to shake my head. Florida State, they deserved it. Okay, well, they deserved it. Okay, you know what? Maybe you're right. Maybe you were totally right. Maybe they should have been number four because they're one of the top four teams in the country. By definition, if you're one of the top best four teams in the country, then that means you'd be competitive amongst the other four teams, right? Right? Well, according to Las Vegas, the smartest people in the entire world in terms of calculating gambling odds and point spreads and all those things, and the millions of different data points and factors to include into calculating those numbers. They've got them against Georgia in the Orange Bowl, number five versus number six. Georgia's favored by 14. 14. So if Georgia's favored by 14, that means the spread with Alabama would probably be close to the same if you put those two head to head. If you put Florida State in at number four against Michigan, the spread might be anywhere from 15 to 20 points. By definition, that doesn't make you a top four team in the country. Injuries suck. I understand that. That number is probably different with Jordan Travis, but we live in the real world, not what ifs. And the real world is unfortunate a lot of times. And the injury to Jordan Travis is unfortunate. But that's part of winning a championship in any sport. And you can ask anybody that. You got to stay healthy. It's like one of the key factors. It sucks when it doesn't happen. But that's reality. And that's where we are. And reality says Florida State's not a top four team. Sorry about it. Sorry about it. Monday, January 1st, also Alabama plays Michigan at 3. There's some other games in that morning. Wisconsin plays LSU. Uh, Liberty plays Oregon. Iowa plays Tennessee. Um, they play on Monday because they can't play Sunday. 
Can't play New Year's Eve, which sucks, because uh, New Year's Eve is uh, dominated by the NFL, which is interesting. Uh, but they got some games on Saturday. I feel like in the NFL, um, yeah, let's see here. Week 17, yeah. Week 17, oh, then they got one game. Okay, okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Yep, fair enough. So that's it, college football. Playoffs are set. Michigan, Washington, Texas, Alabama. Got it all off my chest. Is what it is. Moving on. Sorry about that. I was reading some stats here on ESPN. Uh, moving on to the NFL, guys. NFL, 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 Not a ton to talk about. Actually, there is a lot to talk about. What am I saying? Not a lot of, like, um, super tons of drama, I guess, maybe. Is that a better way to put it? As uh, I try to get my camera here to focus. Okay. NFL week 13. Lots of games, lots of action. I think we're past the buys. Are we nope. Never mind. We got six teams on a buy. <laughs> that may be why. Okay, you know what? I was saying earlier, I think that was, was like a little bit down with kind of like the energy and the matchups this week. I think that's because of the buys. Ravens are on a buy, Vikings are on a buy, Bills are on a buy. Raiders, Giants, Bears, but like there's some good team. Ravens are really good. Didn't see Lamar Jackson this week, you know, kind of feels felt a little bit different. So we'll go through the matchups and read off the scores. We'll see what, we'll see what the storylines are for this week in the NFL. Thursday night game was the Cowboys and the Seahawks. Cowboys come out on top 41 and 35. Can't even get into the other games without talking about number one. Twenty twenty three NFL MVP. It's part of the discussion. People are talking about it already. Right? Right? I'm curious to see the stats. And I'll open those up really quick. To hope that those are backing me up. Passing touchdowns. Yup. Rating. Yup. QBR. Yup. Passing yards. Yup. Here's the point I'm getting to, ladies and gentlemen. Through week 13, the MVP of the National Football League is Dak Prescott. Oh, oh, oh. It's not close either. It's not close. He's top three in completion percentage, passing yards. What are these guys at zero? Stupid. He's top three 
in completion percentage, passing yards, number one in passing touchdowns. He's got six interceptions, so his touchdown-interception ratio, top three. His quarterback rating, an ESPN stat, more advanced than just passer rating, still has him in the top three. And then your basic passer rating, he's in the top three. And all the other guys he's kind of dilly-dallying around with or, you know, like, oh, what about, like, uh, Brock Purdy's number one in passer rate. Yeah, Brock Purdy's missed some action. Doesn't have as many passing yards. Doesn't have as many passing touchdowns. Completion percentage. All the good stuff. Dak Prescott is the MVP in the NFL through week 13 because he's top three in completion percentage, yards, touchdowns, interceptions, touchdown to interceptions, yards per game, quarterback rating, and ESPN more advanced version of passer rating. Both of those, he's top three. Only guy he's kind of competing with is like Brock Purdy. Uh, Mahomes a little bit. Stroud, kinda. Tua, kinda. But right now, it's Dak Prescott in a league of his own. Brock Purdy is a close second, but's also had some absolute stinkers. And at no point this year has Dak Prescott just gone out there and laid an egg. He's kept his team in every single game he's played in. He's beating the pulp out of the bad teams, scoring when he has to, finding ways to win. I'm not saying he's going to win a Super Bowl, but I am saying Dak Prescott's the MVP through Week 13. And if these things stay where they are, if, if, if all levels stay the same and we're like in the same kind of situation at the end of the year, Dak Prescott's the MVP. It's not even a, it's not even a question. And I don't know why no one's talking about it. Some of the guys you hear from the league directly are like, um, yeah, so Dak Prescott's like dominating. You hear Aaron Rodgers talking about it, watching as an injured player this year. Yeah, no, uh, Dak is like playing out of his mind. And then you hear some analysts go, going across the panels on the different channels that cover the NFL. They're like, oh, yeah, um, Dak Prescott's having an unbelievable year. Oh, he's top three in, like, every statistical category that's important for a quarterback, including leading the league in passing touchdowns? Huh. Maybe he is the MVP. No, no, not maybe. He is the MVP. People need to wake up. Dak Prescott's a good quarterback. People need to wake up. Cowboys are a good team. But Dak's the MVP through week 13, and if this stays at the same levels at the end of the season he's he's the mvp uh on sunday colts played the texans beat him 31 to 28 how the colts are third uh seven and five is absolutely unfathomable i cannot believe it with my two eyeballs it's the most incredible thing i've ever seen they continue to repeatedly find ways to win football games the end uh, the afc south is top heavy you know you got your jags colts are in a second but Titans stink. So, I mean, maybe that's why the, t the Colts have kind of hung out. I mean, they're also 5-1 and one on the road this year. That's insane. But good for them, I guess. Kind of sucks because it's like, I don't really want to see them in the playoffs. I don't think they'll be very competitive. 
But who knows? Chargers played the Patriots. The Chargers played the Patriots. The Chargers beat the Patriots. Six to zero. When you go to an NFL game and the final score is six to zero, like it was with the Chargers and the Patriots, six to zero. If there's less than seven points scored in the game, fewer than seven points scored, grammar check. If there's fewer than seven points scored in the game, you should be entitled to go back to the box office and get your money back. Are you kidding me? Six to zero? Six to zero, Chargers. Six to zero. Are the Patriots that good on defense? I thought Justin Herbert was a top five quarterback. I thought Keenan Allen was top five receiver in the NFL. Austin Eckler thought he was a top five running back in the league. How do you score six points? Patriots scoring zero? That makes sense. Chargers scoring six? Doesn't. I guess they won the game. But if I'm a fan, I am calling the box office or hitting the box office on my way out of the stadium. Like, can you guys just give me like a voucher or something? Anything. God, what a brutal game. Six nothing. Lions beat the Saints 33 to 28. Lions are nine and three. Saints are the laughing stock of the league. They're a complete joke. Uh the NFC South is a laughing stock and a complete joke. Um Saints are five and seven. I mean, they just continuously and repeatedly, like Derek Carr has his entire career, they find ways to lose football games. So Saints lose, and the Lions are the opposite in a lot of ways, where they find ways to win. Uh, Dan Campbell's a good leader to follow from the front, and um, Lions have a lot of offensive weapons, man. Jamison Williams had a rushing touchdown this year as their, you know, number four option of receiver, number three option. I mean, Amon Ross, St. Brown, Josh Reynolds, David Montgomery, Jameer Gibbs, Jared Goss playing well at quarterback, had a couple stinkers here and there. That's the three losses they had. When all things are kind of going, oh, and by the way, Sam Laporta, the tight end. How about nine for a buck 40 and a touchdown today? And they have Amon Ra, and they have David Montgomery, and they have they have like five guys, five or six guys on offense, non-quarterbacks, that have put up like 100-yard-plus games this year. Montgomery rushing, Jameer Gibbs rushing, Laporta receiving, Amon Ra receiving, Josh Reynolds receiving, Jamison Williams receiving. Dude, they have some dudes. They have some dudes. Lions might shock some people. Been saying it all year, though. People are, you know, finally starting to give them, give them the love. Falcons beat the Saints 13 to 8. And I'm upset that I had to spend the last six and a half seconds of my life saying those words and spending any time talking about that football game. Cardinals beat the Steelers 24 to 10. Um Yeah, this was predictable. The Steelers. Ah, uh, man, I hope they don't get in the playoffs. What a waste of a game that'll be. What a waste of a game it'll be. They came out after firing their offensive coordinator, put up 400 total yards of offense, and everyone said, oh my God, Kenny Pickett is Tom Brady. Oh my God, Najee Harris. Najee Harris is Barry Sanders 2.0. 
Oh, I know Pickett got hurt. I know Pickett got hurt, but oh, that's not the case. Steelers aren't a good team. Seven and five. There's something to be said for that. That's Mike Tomlin being a good coach, good game manager, ultimately finding ways to win. But the Steelers are who he thought they. <laughs> Excuse me. That sneeze. Holy cow. That sneeze cut up to me. The Steelers made me sneeze. That's how bad they are. The Steelers are who we thought they were. They're not good on offense. That's who we thought. And I'd cut that sneeze out of a lot of different stuff, but the Steelers made me. So I'm not cutting it out of anything. Uh, Dolphins played the Commanders, beat them 45 to 15. Dolphins hammering a bad team again. What's new? Can't beat good teams. Absolutely pound bad teams. I don't know if the Dolphins are good. I don't know if the Dolphins are good. Are they good? Are they not? They're the Cowboys of the AFC coming into this week. Every time they play a bad team, they don't just beat them. They beat them senseless and they don't let up and they score a million points and they look like the greatest show on turf. And then they play good teams and they don't play very well. After this week, I trust Dak and the Cowboys more than I do the Dolphins. But how can you not trust the Dolphins? I just watched Tyreek Hill have 42 catches for 487 yards and six touchdowns in one football game. Like, how can you not take that seriously? They have like four star running backs and like five star receipt. Like, and when they get grooving, it's like they're they're literally playing Madden on rookie mode. That's what it is. Just throwing guys in motion, tapping a button, and just launching balls down the field. Touchdown! Like, it's crazy. I don't know if I trust them. I just, I don't think I trust the Dolphins very much yet. I know they're 9-3. and three. I know they're right there. Could potentially walk away with a number one seed in the AFC. And I just don't know if I trust them. Cold weather in the playoffs going to, I don't know. I just don't know. I don't know. And don't get mad at me for that, but I don't know. Uh, Bucks played the Panthers in the NFC South. They beat them 21 to 18. Another game in a specific situation where I wish I didn't have to spend 10 seconds reading off the score, but it happened. And that's what it was. Bucks 21 Panthers 18. Rams played the Browns, uh, beat them. Um, the Browns and the Steelers to me, those are the those are the biggest frauds. How are they both seven and five? How how how? I know they both play good defense. I know, I know, I know, I know. But God, man. Golly, is it hard to watch them play football? It is so hard to watch the Browns and Steelers play football on a weekly basis, even when it comes up on red zone for like two plays. I'm like, get it off. Get it off. I don't want to watch Kenny Pickett sling a ball that looks like it's slipping out of his hands every time he throws it because he's got a glove on. Deontay Johnson's not paying attention, walking. Najee Harris is getting tackled in the backfield. George Pickens is punching somebody. 
And then for the Browns, it's like Deshaun Watson is missing wide open receivers, scrambles for some yards, gets hit, injured immediately. Nick Chubb, RIP. I'm sorry. Like, take the scoreboard graphic off. Force somebody to watch 10 minutes of Browns football from any piece of any part of any games this season. 10 minutes of Steelers football, same situation. Sit them in a chair, make them watch. Then make them guess their records. They'll be like, oh, the Browns? I don't know, what? Five and seven, right? Four and eight, Steelers? Yeah, probably five and seven too. Nope, opposite. How? Why? I hate it. I don't want it to be a thing anymore. And I really hope they don't get in the playoffs, either of those teams, because it's going to be brutal to watch and a free win for the other team. 49ers played the Eagles. 49ers pounded the Eagles. 49ers are a good football team. The Eagles are a good football team. This was a game where the 49ers clicked on all cylinders. And the 49ers have that one thing that nobody else can say in the entire NFL. And that is, for the 49ers, if they are clicking on all cylinders, especially offensively, and utilizing every weapon to its fullest ability, Ayuk, McCaffrey, Debo, Kittle, Elijah Mitchell, anybody else you want to include, all being included to their top peak potential and co contributing at their highest level, there is nobody that can beat the 49ers when that's happening. That one team in the NFL can beat them when that's happening. When all offensive weapons are firing at their maximum potential, the 49ers are not a beatable team. They will not lose if that happens. doesn't matter how they play on defense. doesn't matter how many points they give up. When it's a track meet, Debo Samuel is just running around the field. George Kittle's wide open every play. Christian McCaffrey touches the ball 62 times a game and always scores a touchdown. And Brock Purdy is delivering the ball accurately. I'll even just take it one step, one step further back. Let's take a look at the scoreboard. 49ers play the Eagles. If you see a stat line with Brock Purdy that says 314 passing yards, four touchdowns, and there's no interceptions on there, I promise you the 49ers won by three touchdowns. Oh, that's exactly what happened. When the 49ers, when the 49ers are, are, are just ripping, no one can beat them. Nobody. The Eagles, on the other hand, it was a, a, a gut check loss for the Eagles. An absolute gut check loss for the Eagles. The only thing that I think could be good that comes out of this for the Eagles is the loss itself, the opponent they took it in, and the time of year. Anybody that plays in the NFL will tell you, like if you're on an incredible Super Bowl prospect type team, it's important when you lose because nobody's gone undefeated. It's important when you lose. And this is a perfect game for the Eagles to lose. I'm not making excuses. They got pounded. They got pounded. But they got pounded by the team that they're going to probably be facing in the NFC Championship and potentially also at home. The, you're gonna, they're going to have so much film, so many things to choose from, and that extra level of motivation, that's going to lead them, I believe, to a victory if they end up rematching against the 49ers.
Plus, that's a month and a half from now. Jalen Hurts, the guy's just not fully healthy. These guys are banged up. They've been battling, grinding through games. You know? It makes sense that it happened. But for the Eagles, it's like as good of a time and a good of a loss as you could have against a great opponent that you're going to end up facing again. In the regular season, you lose, not the playoffs. Eagles fans, relax. Relax. People jumping on the Eagles to dog them and drag them through the mud. Relax. Relax. Last game of the week before Monday Night Football that just ended not too long ago. Packers played the Chiefs, beat them 27-19. Uh, yep, the Packers beat the Chiefs 27-19. Um... This one's hard. This one's hard because. You know what? I don't care. It scares me to say something like this because I know Mahomes is the type of guy where as soon as you doubt him, he just tears you apart. I think we can all pretty confidently look at the Chiefs. Look how Mahomes is playing right now. Look how they're performing this season. Use the last two or three seasons as a frame of reference and say, this is not the same Chiefs team. I'm not sure I'm prepared to say they've reached the pinnacle and are coming back down the other side. Because it is one, not even a full season after they just won the Super Bowl. I get it. I get it. But some of the losses the Chiefs have had this year and some of the wins, they have not looked very good. Patrick Mahomes has not looked very good. His numbers aren't anywhere near that where they have been in years past. And it's most alarming because the Chiefs defense is actually producing at a really high level. They're holding their opponents regularly to under 25, 23. Defensive metrics for the Chiefs are as good as they've been in the Patrick Mahomes era. And they're eight and four. I know that's a really good record that puts you in the playoffs. You win your division. Da, da, da. I get it. I get it. But I'm taking the Ravens right now over the Kansas City Chiefs. 100% taking the Ravens over the Chiefs. Some of the Chiefs' losses this year have been ugly. Some of their wins have been brutal. Like, I know it's hard to say. Wins are brutal. Wins are win in the NFL. Chiefs better be careful, though. Just better be careful. That's all I'm going to say. Probably not for this season, but a couple years in the... Next year, Kelsey, free it. I, I, that, that, I don't know. Eh, already lost Tyree Kill. I don't know. Whatever. Whatever. Right? Whatever. I'm just a crazy person. Uh, good for the Packers. 27 points on the Chiefs defense. Winning at home. Jordan Love starting to look pretty good. 267, three touchdowns. Packers defense playing pretty well. Packers, what is that for them? How many wins in a row is that for the old pack? That is three wins in a row, four out of the last five. Talk about a streaky team. Golly. Win, loss, win. Loss, 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 loss. Win, loss. Win, win, win. Jeez Louise. Interesting for them, too, because they, the Packers, they get to play a bunch of NFC South teams to finish off the year. 
the Packers in their next five games are playing the New York football giants. That's a win. They're playing the Bucks. Who knows? But that's a win. That's at home. They play the Panthers. That's a win. They play the Vikings. At Minnesota, toss up. Who knows? Let's say they lose that game. Then they play the Bears the final week of the season at home. And that's a win. Oh, that's a 10 and 7 Green Bay Packers team. That's a Green Bay Packers team that's in the playoffs. Uh oh. Interesting. Interesting to see, nevertheless. Uh, game tomorrow, Jacksonville at Cincinnati should be good. Or Cincinnati at Jacksonville, rather. Should be decent. Uh, Jacksonville favored by nine and a half. I don't know if I'll take that. We'll see. But that's it, guys. That'll wrap it up. Uh, episode 75. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. It was all football all the time, as it should be. NFL, or I'm sorry, uh, MLB free agency. Woof. That's all I got to say. Woof, dude. Nothing. Nothing is happening. The Braves just traded for Jared Kelnick from the Seattle Mariners earlier today. They also got Mark Gonzalez and some other guys. And um, I don't know. It's just been nothing. Nobody has signed anywhere. Nobody. Trades have been meh at best. Uh, college basketball is going on, but not much. Uh, Purdue did lose. Number one team lost uh, this past weekend, which is cool, I guess. And the NBA in-season tournament is going on. And nobody cares about it. So that'll wrap up episode 75, guys. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. I certainly did. Football. We're into December, guys. We're into December. Sad. But I like, I like December. I like Christmas, the holidays. Let's get into it. Hopefully you guys enjoyed your holiday over the Thanksgiving weekend. A couple weekends ago. You're going to enjoy your time this, this time of year. Always important to be grateful, thankful, appreciative. Tell somebody you love them. Like Pat McAfee says, important to do that at some point or another. At We Know Ball Sports, Instagram, TikTok, at Ryan Knows Ball. That's my Twitter handle. Clips are on YouTube. Uh, YouTube is We Know Ball Sports. Same deal. Same thing. Go check it out. Appreciate you guys tuning in as always, and we will catch you guys next time. Peace.